0: Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. It's good to see so many new faces today. Um, We're in a series, and as they were reading, I thought, wow, it fits so well what they're reading. Uh, We're in a series called Understanding Grace. And you know, the Bible says that the law came through Moses or God sent the law through Moses but it says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ aren't you glad that God didn't just send a cold indifferent letter but grace came Jesus came to this earth and we're excited and excited about entering into the Christmas festivities so we're continuing that series um the first week we talked about the righteousness of grace <clears throat> The second week we talked about the immutability of grace, and if you miss those, again, you can go on our app and you can get them and you can listen to them. But today we're going to talk about, this may seem a little bit strange, but today we're going to talk about the marriage of grace, the marriage of grace. I want to ask you a doctrinal question, I want you to answer it with, with uh, boldness today. How many of you, I want to ask this, how many of you say that we are under the law? How many of you say we're under the law? Some of you quickly answer and you say no, and then some of you is like, well, sort of. Well, not really. Well, um, not exactly. And then some of you is like, man, I hate it when you ask those questions. I don't know. Why don't you just tell me? And you know that's the problem is a lot of preachers haven't talked about that and a lot of preachers haven't told us well the simple answer to that are we under the law the simple answer that is this it's found in Romans chapter 6 verse 14 it says sin shall not have dominion over you For you are not under, notice it says under the law, but you are under grace. So, Scripture is very clear that we're not under the law, but we're under grace. Did you know that we are in the New Testament, the Bible talks about us as being the bride of Christ? How many know that we're the bride of Christ? You see that in Scripture. All right. Well, did you know that you were married before you became the bride of Christ? How many knew that? How many knew that you were married, Scripture says that you were married even before you became the bride of Christ. Paul said this, he said, I write to you, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, in other words, you guys that know the Bible pretty well, don't you know that when a person dies, it ends the obligation to the law? And I want you to think about that obligation. For example, then he gives an example, a marriage couple. Is bound by the law as long as they remain together until they're separated by death. But when one spouse dies, the other is released from that law of marriage. So you see that through death, we're released from that law of marriage. So then, if the wife is joined to an, another man while they're still married, scripture says she commits adultery. But if her husband dies, she's obviously free, she's free from that marriage contract. And she's free to marry another man without being charged with adultery. Okay. So that was the example Paul said. But look at verse 4. It says, so my dear brothers and sisters. He's setting some strong theology here. The same principle, the same principle, the same principle applies to your relationship with God. For you died to your first husband, everybody say the law. See, we were married before we were the bride of Christ. The scripture says you died to your first husband, the law, by being crucified. Here's how we died with, the, with Christ. It says by being crucified with the body of the Messiah. So you are now free to marry another. You all see that? Because of the death, you're now free to marry another. The one who was raised from the dead. Everybody say Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. So that you may now bear spiritual fruit for God. Notice it says that you may now bear spiritual fruit from God. Think about how much spiritual fruit you can bear for God when you're under the dominion and under the control and the power of the law. So this scripture says that we were married to the law. We had an obligation to the law. And before I go on any further, I don't want you to think the law is bad. In fact, you're going to see as I continue preaching, and especially next week, I'm not saying the law is bad or we're not to adhere to the law. It teaches us about life. It teaches us about business. It teaches us about family. It teaches us about how to to do a nation. But the deal is we're not under the law. And there's a a big difference in that. So before we were married to Christ, we were in obligation to the law. In other words, we had to act or we had to have a course of action because we were morally and legally bound to do something. It was a duty of commitment that we had to fulfill the law. And not just a little bit of the law, we had to fulfill all the law. And the Bible even says in in James 2.10 that if you keep all the commandments and you slip on just one little part of the commandments. It says you're guilty of all of them. So there's no boasting in here. Nobody can boast in here like, "Oh, I keep the law. I'm so holy. I do everything so right." The fact is is that none of us are holy, and none of us can keep the law, and none of us do things all right. So so we but we were obligated to that. And we were married to that. Think about that. We were married to that. But when Christ died, we died with Him. Think about Christ on the cross. When He died, we died with Him. And the power of the law, we're not under that Power of it anymore that we were crucified with him and even in Colossians it says that Jesus took all the ordinances and all the laws that we have fallen on and it says that he took him to the cross and he nailed him to the cross so even when you think about the, the nails on the cross you can think about the law that Jesus fulfilled all the law and the righteous requirements of God and all that and he nailed it so we died with him we were crucified with him and we died with him and a result of this is we were also re- not reunited or we were married to another after that and we become married to grace, not the law. The old husband, it died. And now we're married to a new husband and the new husband is grace and I think you're going to enjoy him a whole lot more. And it says, and now, and now we can finally produce some fruit. How many walk around feeling failure and condemnation and guilt and fear before God and fear to go before God? Because you know what you are and you know what you do and you know, know, know where you're undone. That's being under the law. But there's a way to be over, that there's a way that we raise up with Christ to where we're not under it again. We're going to learn that we even fulfill the law by the power of the Spirit. I'm not saying we just get rid of it and don't do it anymore. It's we're just not under it anymore, under the condemnation, the fear of it. But we're raised and a new life comes in us. We're just as Christ came not to destroy the law, he came to fulfill the law. So we, through Christ, when we're raised with him we actually are gonna start fulfilling the things that pleases God. How many excited about that? How many excited that man, through Christ, I can finally have some good fruit? So the law is not bad. It came from God. I mean, it was a covenant. God doesn't change his mind in midstream and just say, ah, it's gone, blah, blah, blah. But he said, you're not under it, you're under grace. And the law is fulfilled through Jesus. So, we're talking about marriage today. That old marriage, that old marriage could never make me right with God. How many, I know a lot of people that don't come to Christ. In fact, last week the Holy Spirit told me that there was somebody here in the service that they wanted to come to Christ, but then they thought of the change that they would have to do. And they thought about the rules and they thought about the things that they think's expected of a new Christian now. And that even makes them... Where they don't want to enter into that contract with God because they're starting out of the gate thinking man i can't do this i can't do this i can't fulfill this so first of all our, our old marriage could never make us right with God but our new marriage can anybody out there say man our new marriage can but the bible says for no one can never be made with right right with god are justified by doing what the law commands the law simply shows us shows us next week i'm going to talk about how the law is a map it's a mirror it's a map it shows us what sins are paul even said man i was alive at one time i was alive and then the law came sin revived and i died so, so, so when, when that's there, the law was a letter of condemnation. In fact, they were like, man, how can this be so glorious? All these commandments and things really was a letter of condemnation. It says that. It, it, was, it was supposed to be glorious, but really it was a letter of con- condemnation because none of us could fulfill the law. Think how much greater it is, the second covenant. I mean, the first covenant, Moses' head glowed like a, like a light to where they had to put a, ba- a bag over his head because his head was glowing so much. Think about how glorious the second one is. Here's the good news. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's the key. Married to this new, this, the bride of Christ. Because everybody saved through Christ. Because through Christ, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was, I want you to see this, powerless to do, because it was weakened by what? By my sinful flesh. Everybody say, God did it. God did it. Say it again. God did it. God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be my sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law may be fulfilled and met in me, in us who do not live according to the flesh. But we are in a new marriage. We live according to the Spirit. Therefore here's my conclusion in Romans three twenty-eight: a man is justified by faith. Without the deeds or the works of the law. You know people started out like that Paul preached people believed Gave their heart to Jesus and stuff, but then Paul would go back to these places and in Paul's day He said we believe the gospel. We believe we're saved by putting our faith in Jesus But in order to stay saved in order to grow in God or be sanctified in order for us to go on to maturity I got to get back to doing the works of the law and you know what I fall into that sometimes I fall into performance and what I do what I do I didn't do this I did do this I didn't do that and it becomes a gauge or a measure of how my life's going God doesn't want us to live like that in fact Paul said you foolish Galatians who put a spell on you think of that strong language Before your very eyes, you had a clear description of the death of Christ on the cross. Tell me this one thing. Did you receive God's Spirit or were you born again by doing what the law requires? How many of you were born again by what the law requires? None of us. Or by hearing the gospel and believing it. Somebody say it's by hearing the gospel and believing it. It's believing it. It's not what we achieve, it's what we receive. By hearing the gospel, we believe it. How can you be so foolish that you began with God's spirit? This happens to me sometimes. I I, I begin with God's spirit, but now I'm going to finish on my own power? I don't think so. I don't think so. We can't do that. That's foolishness, Paul said. Here's the reasons I think that people resort back to performance oriented Christianity and they don't stay in that faith believing Christianity. It's because we were married to that other thing. I was married 18 years before I was born again to the law. 18 years I was married to, to that law. I heard in my mind, you did that wrong, you did that wrong. You're not going to measure up there? Ooh, you're really wrong there. Uh, Well, you kind of did that one right, but still not really what I'm wanting you. But now, see, that's what I was married to. How many, many, I hope some of you aren't married to somebody like that now who just criticized and picked out everything and you're married. Uh, I wouldn't want to be married to a law person like that. But now I'm married to a loving, compassionate, gentle, long suffering, sympathetic, and merciful husband who doesn't talk to me that way. He doesn't talk to me that way. But for 18 years, I had this other husband that was always beating on me. I, I thought God walked around with a Louisville 33. I'm telling you, I always felt like I never could measure up. I never, because I was married to that for 18 years. But when I got born again, I got a new husband. I got a new king. And now I'm in a loving relationship, not a list. I'm in a loving relationship, not a list. A loving relationship built on fidelity and honesty and devotion between two people. Not this commitment of list of do's and don'ts. So I'm excited about that. Guys... The old marriage could not justify you. You cannot be justified by the law. Am I with me? Okay. Here's the other thing. But the new marriage, you can be. How many say I'm justified through faith in Jesus Christ? We believe unto salvation. Okay. Here's the second thing. The old marriage, it can't empower you to do what's right. Guys, the law can't empower you. The law can't motivate you. Oh, Brian, I heard you don't, I heard you used to lie and cheat and steal and cheat on your test and, and you went to Kansas when you were 18 because the drinking age was 18 and you'd grab your brother's ID and you'd go over there and tell him that you was your brother and you'd take beer back to everybody and you would steal things and you, I heard you don't lie and cheat and steal anymore. This would not be my test. Yep, yeah, you know what? You're right. I saw in the law that thou shalt not steal. And thou shalt not uh, uh, lie anymore. I saw that, and you know, when I saw that, an amazing thing just happened, and I changed. No, it didn't happen to me that way. It didn't happen to me that way, where the law just supernaturally empowered me to be able to do these wonderful things all of a sudden. The old marriage can't do that. The old marriage can't do, do that. Willpower, determination, knowing them all. You know, we stick all these laws up. The Ten Commandments, and we stick them up and we read them. Reading them every day isn't going to empower you to do that. My testimony is, when I died to the old husband and I raised, and I raised up with Christ, and I was married to the bride of Christ, something supernaturally happened, and yeah, I don't lie anymore, and yeah, I don't steal anymore, and I don't covet anymore, and I don't have any other gods before him anymore, but it wasn't because of a list. It was because of a loving relationship. A list can't empower you. A list can't empower you. The law can't empower you. If you think it can, all you'll do is stick some willpower and determination with it and then it'll take you even further down this this hole. You can't do it. We're justified by faith and also this new husband empowers us. He empowers us. You heard about the guy that went to the doctor the the other other day and on the way home he stopped and he bought himself a new suit after he went to the doctor. He went home, he's like, I'm I'm stopped. I'm going to buy the best suit, the most expensive suit. He bought himself a new suit after he went to the doctor. When he got home, his wife said, why in the world did you buy a new suit? He was a hillbilly like me. He says, well, because the doc said I was the most impotent man that he had ever seen. I was the most, the law, the law important? Everybody say yes. The law important? Yes. But impotent it is also yes. The law's impotent. It can't help you. It can't help you. Think about this. Did the law ever produce something good in you? Never. Hadn't for me. Uh, It just told me why it wasn't. And told me what I need to aim for. It's good. It's got its place. But yet the empowerment. You know even in Galatians. You know we're, we're under the law of the spirit now. There's no condemnation in there in Christ Jesus. Who walked. We're now uh, not in the flesh. But we walk in the spirit. I love um, the passion translation of Galatians chapter 5. Where it lists out all the sinful deeds of the flesh. How many know what I'm talking about? list out all the sinful deeds of flesh which a lot of them a lot probably everybody in here does at least one of them um but after you read through them um it says but the fruit that the holy spirit produces do you hear that but the fruit that the holy spirit produces is love Amen. joy peace patience gentleness kindness, self-control. Who produced it? Who produced it? The fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. I know that as Paul said in Romans 7, I know that in me dwelleth no good thing for the will and the desires there, but how to perform it, I cannot find. What I want to do, I don't do. What I hate to do, I do. Just pulled back and forth I know that I can't do it. The law cannot empower you, but the Spirit can. Guys, we need to start leaning in. We need to start leaning into that. Some of you want to start producing fruit in your Christian faith. You got to start leaning into the power of the Spirit. You got to start leaning into, do you guys know that the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you? That just as Christ was raised in power, not in weakness, we're raised up. To be able to do what we need to do philippians chapter 2 i think verse 13 says this in nlt i like nlt on this one it says that god gives us both the desire everybody say desire Desire. he empowers it he gives us both the desire anybody out there sometimes your desire meters low he gives us both the desire and the power to do what to do what pleases him how many want to start producing some fruit Get with your new husband. Get with your new husband. And you can start having some offspring of good fruit. So the law can't justify. The law can't do that. The law cannot empower you. But grace can. Here's the other thing. The greatest power that this new marriage does is it is an atmosphere and a culture and a surrounding of a love relationship you know if i was like you know carmen the reason i'm married to you is because i signed the dotted line by golly i signed the dotted dotted line yes i did now i really don't feel anything for you i really don't have any strong uh, attraction to you um you get on my nerves actually quite a bit. Um, but I'm committed to you because I signed the law. I signed that contract. And you know what? I'll be loyal to you. I'll be, I'll be faithful. I'll be, uh, I'll treat you right. I'll do that because, you know, I signed the dotted line. Who wants to be married to that impersonal, cold-hearted, you know what? Who wants to be married to that? Who would rather be in a love relationship You know what motivates me to do right? Man, the sun rises and sets on you, baby. Ooh, I'm feeling the juices, Bri. (laughs) Your green eyes are like the green leaves on the tree. Your body is like the mountains. Oh, excuse me. My heart goes pitter-patter when I see you. You're my best friend. You're my partner. You're my, we, we live life together. We love life together. How many would, be, how many would rather be married to that? Amen. I don't want to. The law, it's words. It was written on stone. It's cold. It's impersonal. It, it's, it, but Jesus is a person a person a love warm forgiving caring you know every time i preach on grace i always see some people start tucking their heads down like oh boy here we go let's see how pastor's gonna mess it up now but actually i really know what i'm talking about on this and i think it needs to be talked about more that that churches need to preach grace everybody's like oh you start preaching grace oh you start preaching grace people just go hog wild they're, 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 they're going to get so out of control and, and, and they're just going to be running this way and you're just giving them a ticket to sin, pastor. Uh, you need to get up and start hitting that pulpit and, and, and speaking those hard laws. Thou shalt not get drunk and thou shalt not. I, I did that at the beginning of my ministry. Pretty fruitless. Pretty fruitless. But when I started preaching a compassionate a gentle a loving a kind a forgiving a merciful god of the new testament that's when i started seeing fruit that remain and i'll tell you what you you don't have it right if you think that preaching grace makes people go on in sin in fact you don't know your word because the bible says that grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to begin to do the things that god pleased him when you get a loving relationship with jesus you won't want to do those things that you know offend him when you get a loving relationship with jesus jesus said you'll keep my commandments because people that love me people that love me i don't love carmen because i signed the dotted line and i tap 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 ta we're in a great loving relationships because it's a loving it's a loving relationship I'm telling you see people don't go out and sin if you preach grace they go out and sin when you make them when you you sit and just preach on the law and what they aren't doing all the time with God I think everything's opposite than our natural mind if you want to receive what do you do with God if you want to receive what do you do Say it louder. Give. If you want to walk in authority, you need to be under. Everybody say authority. Scripture says if you really want to live, you need to what? Everybody say die. Die. It's opposite. People the scripture says if you want to save your life, then you need to what? You need to lose your life. It's opposites. It's opposites. Things of God are opposites than the natural mind. If you want to live holy, if if you want people to live holy, if you want them to live holy, if you want them to do what's right, then simply preach the grace of God's message and their love will motivate them. Let me tell you, love is a powerful thing. Love is a powerful thing. Love is a powerful motivator. I, I, I've been motivated by both things. Love is a lot more, more empowering. You know, this may shock you a little bit, but the scripture even says, the sting of death is sin. So the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. So when you're preaching the law, the law, the law, and you're preaching the strength of sin, But when you preach grace and the love of God and the mercy of God and you fill people with loving relationship, then you're preaching the power of the gospel, which will raise people up in a new marriage and they'll begin to live better lives. So what's the strength of the sin? So the more we preach law, don't, 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 you need to do, do, do. It's not a list, it's not a list, but it's love that empowers. The law can't empower you to live righteous, but love can. I want to end with this scripture. I want to end with this scripture. You're more apt to keep the law of God. You're you're more apt to keep the law. Remember, God didn't do away with it. He fulfills it through us, through, through a new way, a new and living way, okay? So we're more apt to keep the law of God and to his people when we're in a loving relationship with God. I want to say that again. We're more apt to keep the law of God. We're, we're more apt to keep it with him and we're more apt to keep it with others when we're walking in relationship with Jesus, okay? I want you to look at Romans chapter 13, verse eight through 10. I want you to see that. If you would pull it up on the screen. Let's read this together. It says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another let's stop there a minute don't owe anybody anything except we're morally and legally responsible to God not to try to keep all the laws but we're an obligation to love one another let's go on if you love your neighbor you will fulfill the requirements of God's law Say what? Back it up, please. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Well, I need to know them all. I need to hang them on the wall. I need to put them on my rearview mirror. I need to. Well, I I would just focus on love and relationship if I was you. Okay? You will fulfill. Now, let's go on. Oh, nothing. Next, Next screen. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Writing the list out, saying, oh, I'm going to work hard to do this. Good luck with that die with christ get married to the new husband be raised up in his fullness and his power have the power of the spirit working in us and then let's start producing some good fruit and you know what when we focus on the love of god then we fulfill all the commandments is everybody with me even in galatians when it says the the fruit that the holy spirit produces is love joy peace patience all this When it gets done with that, King James says, against these there is no law. In other words, when you do all those, you're gonna be fulfilling the law, the law. So the love is powerful. It's the strongest governing force in the world. When you fall in love with Jesus and you understand his grace, his grace will justify you, his grace will empower you, and your love for him will cause you to love him and your neighbor. You will begin to live a holy life. You'll begin to produce fruits motivated by your love for him. It's the power of love within me that gives me both the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Let's stand to our feet to them. How many remember Michael, how many remember Michael J. Fox and uh, Back to the Future? Anybody seen that one? Clear your voices and everybody say, it's the power of love. Amen? How many can see him sliding through? It's the power of love. How many know that love can do the strangest things? Amen. Let's sing this song together.